Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello, and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George and Joe. George, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today, man. Uh, Just want to suggest to any of our listeners, if you're listening on Anchor, to go ahead and, you know, if you feel like being interactive with us, there's a way you can send us voice messages you know so if there's any highly contested takes that you agree or don't agree with feel free to send us a message and be part of our podcast you know we encourage you guys to be interactive with us but uh how you doing joe i'm doing pretty good pretty good just watch this nba game seven game and man i'm so happy right now that the nuggets won I think you and a lot of other people are, Joe, especially Lakers fans. (laughs) Well, Lakers should be worried, all I'm saying. Especially Joe should be pretty happy after that suggestion I gave him to uh, put some money on these nuggets. Hey, what can I say? Thank you. (laughs) Now, now (laughs) yeah, there you go. Now, to go back to what you were saying, George, also, you uh, to our fans out there, you are more than welcome to uh, give us a review as well on Apple Podcasts. We would be happy to hear your feedback and take it into consideration moving forward. Anything is much appreciated. And we are, we are lo- also looking into getting a Twitter account as well. So look look out for that. There you go. All right. So some of today's featured topics include who is most to blame for the Clippers' massive choking to prevent them from moving on in the playoffs? What did Game 1 tell us about the Heat and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals? And what was the biggest reason for the Cowboys' loss on Sunday Night Football? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. We are going to jump right into it. The Denver Nuggets are the first team in NBA history to overcome two 3-1 series leads in the same year of the playoffs. They defeated the Los Angeles Clippers in three straight games in similar fashion to how they did to the Utah Jazz in their first round matchup to win the series 4-3. to They will play the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals for a spot in the NBA 2020 Finals. Now on the flip side, the Clippers choked multiple leads in all three games that the Nuggets beat them in order to move on to the Western Conference Finals. So the question is, who is most to blame for the Clippers' massive choking to prevent them from moving on in the playoffs? Just want to throw this out there. You guys mind if I go first on this one? Uh, Go ahead. All right. Now, I believe my take is going to be pretty hot. I'm just going to say that off the get-go. But we need to stop believing that Doc Rivers is a good coach. I am honestly tired of everyone acting like he is this amazing coach when he won one ring with a team of Hall of Fame players. Let's be real. He had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and playoff Rondo. This was the origin of the super team, and we're just acting like winning one ring with that team solidified him as a perennial great coach in this league. He should have won at least two with this team, and he didn't. Why? Because he's not a good coach. They win in 2008, but they lose the next year versus the Magic in the second round. And then the following year, the Lakers in the finals beat them because Doc cannot close out these series. They were up 3-2 versus that Lakers team and lost the series in games 6 and 7 to the Lakers. One ring with that Boston team. That's all. Let's fast forward now to his time as the Clippers head coach. He took over the Clippers in 2014. Ever since, he's been 28 and 32 in the playoffs. When they asked about Game 7 and what he would say to his team, he just answered by saying nothing, and there's no rally speech to give to his team. Uh, excuse me? People get inspired by those speeches. That's why they're in movies. That's why why those are a thing. You really don't think 
that your players would get inspired by that as well. For real. And let me remind you guys that his one ring was won with Kevin Garnett as finals MVP, a player that a lot of people and players would say, you know, has the most inspiring rally speeches at that time in the NBA. A lot of people would probably say that, a lot of people and players, right? And today, after the third quarter, the woman interviewing Doc Rivers asked what the Clippers needed to do, and he just says, we got to play better. We just got to play better. She asks, how do you plan on doing that? And he replies, make shots, get stops. Really? That's all you have to say before game seven and during game seven to your team. I would hate that monotonous attitude if I was a player. My next point, in all game sevens, he has played. He is six and eight, which is the most losses in game sevens in NBA history. In NBA history. He has lost multiple three to one series leads now in the playoffs. One with the Magic in 2003, one with the Clippers in 2015, and now this series versus the Nuggets here in 2020. Joe, you're a betting man. Would you bet that that's the most three to one series leads lost in NBA history? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd win that bet. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100 times out of 100. <laughs> he is he is just not a good coach, and I'm tired of people believing that he is just because analysts and ex-players say so. It's your guys' move. I got a quick question, Drew. You said he's six and eight in game sevens? Game sevens. So that's six wins and eight losses is what you're saying? Or mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Just making sure. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and you know, that's a great point. You know, I never really considered Doc to be as uh, a great coach, you know, a little overrated, but I'm putting the blame on the best player on the team, right? If this was LeBron James, you know, losing, who'd we put the blame on? We wouldn't put it on Frank Vogel. We wouldn't put it on anyone else. We'd put it on LeBron James. So to me, the one who deserves the most blame is the one who came into this team, made a commercial saying he is the king of LA, and that is Kawhi Leonard. He deserves the majority of this blame for being the best player on the team. And with putting all these high expectations, you know, he wanted Paul George on his team. He did everything he could to get out of San Antonio and make his way to LA. He chose the Clippers. And in this game, this game seven loss, he only had 14 points. He only had six rebounds, six assists, and was a minus 21 in the plus minus category. Mm. You know, field goals, he was six for 22, three point percent or not percentage, but three point attempts. He was two for seven, you know, so as the best player on the team in a, you know, win or go home game, a game seven and your best player only gets you 14 points. That is just not acceptable for the best player on the team Mm. and a player that, you know, many people argue is the best player in the NBA. You know, there's people out there that put him above LeBron James, you know, above, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, some of these other greats. And if you're that guy, you got to win one of these games. You're up 3-1. You telling me you're the best player in the league and you cannot win one more game. You know, it's that's blasphemy. You're telling me Kevin Durant wouldn't be able to win one game up 3-1. You're telling me. LeBron James wouldn't be able to win one of these games if he's up 3-1 on this good of a team. You know, a team that everyone says was the deepest team, that was the best team. That And that that's the difference because I know some people are going to say, well, you know, Kevin Durant did lose a 3-1, you know, to the Warriors, which is true. But how many people are going to say that that OKC team was better than this Clippers team? You know, a lot of people are saying this is supposed to be one of the best defensive teams ever assembled, one of the deepest teams. So with all that into context, you know, the blame has to go to Kawhi Leonard. You know, you have to win this game. You got to score more than 14 points. And I mean, he's supposed to be that guy. And he just didn't show up for me. Joe, who are you putting the blame on for this? Mm. Drew, that was one hell of a hot take, man. I got to give you that one. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. I would like to take this time to congratulate the Nuggets for a stellar comeback series down three to one against the Clippers. Absolutely. First team to ever do it twice. 
Now they'll be facing the other LA team, which I know it will be a battle. But moving forward, the Clippers were just absolute horrible in these last of three games. But I'm going to have to put it on the stars of the team, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Mm. So if you're a star on a team, you have to put every given effort on winning the series. Doesn't matter if you're up 3 1, you're going to need to be, you're going to need to finish out these games. Mm. Like, like George was saying, Kawhi Leonard had 14 points and eight for 29 from the field, including the three pointers. It's win or go home. But Paul George, on the other hand, he had 10 points and was six for 27 from the field, also including three pointers. They're the stars of the team. You have to do better than that. So I don't know what they got to do here, but something has to change if they want to get to the finals next year. Mm. George, you want to add something to that? Yeah, so I mean, I, I didn't focus too much on Paul George in my take, but like Joe said, he only had 10 points, which is also unacceptable being you know, a mm. player of his caliber. And he was a minus 20 in that plus minus category. And all of the starters for the Clippers, none of them scored 20 points. The highest mm. scoring starter for them was Kawhi Leonard with 14. You're not going to win many games like that. You know, the highest score was Montrez Harrell coming off the bench with 20. Um, but another point that I wanted to make was, so in the fourth quarter, it took the Clippers seven minutes to get their first field goal in the fourth quarter. Think about it. It took them seven minutes to make their first shot in the fourth quarter. Mm. So that is just ridiculous. You know, you're not like, it just shows, you know, lack of urgency, lack of care. Like what, what are you trying to prove? You know, when you're not being aggressive, you know, and trying to get these shots, you know, make your way to the line, get fouled, you know, get some free throws in, you know, get yourself going. Don't just take these bad three point shots or jump shots that, you know, aren't going in terrible shot selection and just letting the, the nuggets get back into it. And they ended up getting a 20 point lead in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, Joe, before you go, can I just add one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my thought, my thoughts on that is, you know, who who is really the most responsible for allowing their team to go seven plus minutes to not have a field goal? I mean, let's be real here: seven plus minutes, and you can't draw up a play to get your to get your team a point. You can't, you know, rally your team, tell them something. You know what I mean? Like draw, you know, draw something up. Like I said earlier, but especially like rally your team, tell them something, inspire your two best players who haven't been playing well the entire game inspire those players to actually step up because their team needs them who's supposed to do that in my opinion that's the head coach the head coach is the one in charge of the team you did say that the team didn't score in those seven plus minutes who's responsible for that that falls on the coach in my opinion yeah but that fourth quarter they needed to score. It's absolutely unnecessary. They couldn't score in seven minutes. I think that's what you said. But just think about this. Kawhi Leonard was didn't even get to the uh, free throw line. He, d he didn't get fouled at all. And Paul George went up one time and he missed it. He was 0 for 1 from the free throw. You have to make your shots from the free throw line. I don't care who you are, how bad your shot is. You have to make it. That's a free point you have to make. Yeah. You have to be able to like get to that free throw line too. I mean, they, you know, like you were saying, George, they couldn't, but then again, like who does that, like who does that fall upon? Like, again, can't the coach like come up with a play that like either gets them a good shot or gets them a nice, you know, gets them sent to the free throw line, like anything at all. I don't know. I feel like personally that, you know, you can put that blame on the stars but if both of your stars are just not in it, then you as the coach, in my opinion, need to get them back in it. And I don't feel like he did that. What do you think, George? Yeah, so I mean, definitely coach gets some blame, but the question is who gets the most blame? And like I said, if this was flip-flopped in LeBron James' shoes, who would get the most blame, Drew? 
Hundred percent, it would be LeBron. But LeBron, okay. it's a it's a double standard for him. It's just the honest truth. No, well, I mean, this is what it comes down to. You know, you're the star of this team. You're telling me you can't go out and get your own bucket. Whether you're telling me someone has to go draw you a play for you to get a bucket for you to make your way to the free throw line. Like Joe said, he didn't even make it to the free throw line. He had zero attempts at the free throw. Right. And Paul George only had one attempt at the free throw. You know, the starters combined had what? Five attempts at the free throw line. But as the best player in the team, you're telling me that you need a coach to draw you up a play to make, to go make a play. No, that's that's crazy talk. I feel it. Um, my only thought to that would be if you're gonna make that, you know, if you're gonna if we're gonna make this argument about, you know, okay, like if it was LeBron, LeBron would get the blame for everything, then you know, that's fair. But let's let's be real here. Like, that's not gonna happen. There's no there's no there's Kawhi, like, sure he might get some of the blame for this, but he's not gonna get all the blame. And it's just the honest truth because they give him a pass. They just honestly do. And I feel like, I feel like it's a double standard for LeBron because, you know, of course LeBron is in the goat conversation. You know, some people will say he's is, some people will say he isn't, but he's in that conversation. Right. So he's always going to be, uh, he's always going to be in the spotlight regardless. And I don't think Kawhi is in that spotlight. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you're giving Kawhi a pass right now. You're you're making the claim that everyone's giving you know him a pass. So you're in that category. You're giving him a pass right now by not giving him the the fair share of the blame. No, I okay. Here's here's so you have made some valid points. I think I have made some valid points. I think Joe has made some valid points. You know what I think? Honestly, I think that this entire collapse falls upon everyone that we've mentioned. Honestly. Like, I think it falls upon everyone that we've mentioned. Everyone has has a part to blame. And I think everyone is most to blame, honestly, because this person could have done this. This person could have done that. Uh, this other person could have done this. Like, there's so many people that could have, should have, uh, that could have, would have, and should have done better. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah, again, you're, you're sharing the blame. So again, you're giving Kawhi a pass instead of putting it all on him. Like you would, if it was LeBron, you're putting it on everyone else. When the question is who deserves the most blame. And now you're, instead of putting it on the coach, now you're putting it on everyone. And now it's a collective group that you're putting the blame on instead of just now from your initial claim, which was the coach. Now you just switched it to everyone. And like, like you're saying, you know, uh, how people put passes on Kawhi versus LeBron, you're doing the same thing right now. Because we all know if it was LeBron, he'd be getting the blame and you'd probably be blaming him too. But right now, you're not blaming Kawhi, who's the best player on the team. Arguably, some people say he's better than LeBron already. So why doesn't he get that same fare of blame? Uh, I disagree with that because you're making the claim that I would blame LeBron if the team lost this sort of series. I wouldn't blame LeBron entirely. 100%, I wouldn't. Now, now everybody, when we're talking about like social media, everybody would blame LeBron. And that's why I'm saying that everybody would, you know, crucify this guy, LeBron, but they're not going to, they're not going to crucify Kawhi nearly as much as they, as they would crucify LeBron, which is why I'm claiming that it's the double standard. Yeah. So why are you part of that double standard? Why not put it on Kawhi? I'm not, I'm trying to break the mold. All right. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to say that it doesn't all fall on Kawhi. Definitely. We need to start realizing that doc rivers is not as good a coach as people claim. But the thing is, is that if people do blame it on Kawhi, they're not going to see that it's also, you know, it's also Paul George. It's also doc rivers. They're not going to see that because they're only, their only focus is, Oh, Kawhi. Cause he's the best player. Yeah, but Kawhi also recruited Paul George. He said, this is the guy I want here. So if we're going to put blame on Paul George, why not put blame on the guy that brought him there? And why not put why not put blame on the guy that, you know, let's be real here. Why not put the blame on the guy that is supposed to lead the team into these victories, which is the coach? I would say the best player on the team should also lead you in these situations. But again, remember, uh, Kawhi recruited him here. He said he wanted him, that that's who he wanted. And we already knew who Paul George was. You know, he's got the name Playoff P, but he really doesn't show up in the playoffs. So with all that being known, again, 
the one that recruited him didn't show up. He didn't show up. So why why are we putting a pass on Kawhi? Well, you can also make the argument too that you know Kawhi was recruited large, uh, not a large part, but a, a, definitely a part by Doc Rivers. And of course, you know he was not recruited. He wanted to go to L.A. And that was clear from his San Antonio days when he forced his way out. Doc, right. Doc did not recruit him. He wanted to go there. Okay, but the he was deciding between the Clippers and the Lakers, and he ultimately chose the Clippers. Why? Because they recruited him to the Clippers. No, because LeBron was already on the Lakers at that point, and he wasn't going to just hop on that team. How do you know that? Do you have Kawhi on speed dial? Do you ask him? Yes. Mm, indeed. All right. <laughs> when he was in San Antonio, he did say he wanted to go to the Lakers. He said Los Angeles, but preferred the Lakers. And at that moment, LeBron wasn't quite there yet. You know, you fast forward and then LeBron goes. So he's not just going to jump on the bandwagon, especially knowing what happened to Kevin Durant when he jumped on the bandwagon on Golden State. So what he did, he said, okay, I still want to go back home instead of, you know, joining and making another super team and, you know, get crucified for that. Let's compete. You know, let's go to the other L.A. team. I'm back home and let's compete. And that's what he did. So it wasn't it wasn't Doc Rivers recruiting him when he already wanted to go there. I mean, in my personal opinion, I don't think Kawhi really cares too much about like what social media would say about him. I mean, let's be real. He's no Kevin Durant. He's not like looking at his social media and like clapping back at people. He's that's not him at all. You know what I mean? So I don't really I don't really think that that's what he took into consideration when he was determining which team he wanted to play to. I mean, I'm sure that at the end of the day, you know, he got, you know, he got motivated by everybody who's in management at the Clippers to, you know, help join him. What then at the end of the day, he's a competitor, you know, he's not just going to jump on a team that's already really great with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, so that definitely paid a part. I believe if, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis isn't there, maybe he does go to the Lakers, you know, obviously we'll never know that, but you know, anyone that's from LA is a Lakers fan. And so I, pretty sure him growing up same with paul george we know they grew up being laker fans that's what they want to play that's where they wanted to play it didn't work out for them making it there so they went to you know the basement team in the clippers and you know ended up flopping this season and the blame should go on Kawhi. i don't understand why you're trying to give him a pass but i'm not giving him a pass i'm not giving him a pass but i'm not saying he deserves all the blame 100 percent. no i'm not i'm not the question wasn't who gets 100 percent. it said who gets the most so I'm giving him the most. I'm not saying give him 100% because obviously coaching is a factor. You know, your supporting cast is a factor. Your Robin is a factor. But the question is who deserves the most? And who deserves the most is Kawhi Leonard. Because if it was flip-flopped on anyone else, you know, LeBron would get the blame. Kobe would get the blame. Jordan would get the blame. So why are we giving a pass to Kawhi all of a sudden? Doesn't make any sense. And for someone that's preaching that he always gets a pass and now you're giving him a pass, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, first of all, let's 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 back up here, all right? I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just not saying that he is the most to blame. All right. Just like how I, yeah, so you're giving him a pass. No, just like how I would say, if, if it was the same thing with LeBron, I would say the same thing. LeBron is not the most to blame. 100%. I asked you in the beginning of this segment, if it was LeBron, would he get the most blame? And he yes, would. you he said would. he would give him all the no, blame. No, that's not what I said. I said he would get the most blame by social media. That's what I said. Yep. Well, I'm still giving Kawhi most of this blame for this fat L that he took. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Joe? What are your thoughts? Man, can someone open a window? It's getting hot in here. Woo, woo! I, I, I still stick to what I wrote. You gotta blame on the two stars, Kawhi and Paul George. You have to blame them. There you go. All right. Well, you guys, um, well, you blame Kawhi, George, uh, Joe. You blame both of the players, and I'm gonna <laughs> blame the coach. Right on. All right. We're gonna keep it to the NBA though, and we're gonna discuss the Eastern Conference Finals. What? A game. The Boston Celtics and Miami Heat battled it out in their first game of the series. Jimmy Butler makes a go-ahead three-point shot with 22 seconds left to put the Heat up by one. The Celtics would then hit a free throw to tie the game and send it into overtime. Jimmy would then make a clutch layup and the free throw to follow to complete the three-point play to help the team win game one, 117-114. to So, 
George, we'll start with you on this one. What did game one tell you about the Heat and the Celtics? Yeah, game one showed me that it's going to be a dogfight, you know, all the way to the end. And that's why I picked it going seven, Mm. you know. In the fourth quarter, the Heat were down by 14 points and they fought themselves back into the game and won in overtime. You know, I've been saying this all along. The Heat are one of the most uh, best rounded teams that were in the bubble. You know, Drogic scored uh, 29 points. Jay Crowder scored 22 points. Butler had 20. Adebayo had 18 with the clutch block in overtime Mm. on Jason Tatum. And like the Heat, the reason that this will be a dogfight is the Celtics are also well-rounded. You know, Tatum scored 30, Marcus Smart scored 26, Kemba scored 19, Jalen Brown had 17. You know, these are two teams that match up really well. And, you know, I expected this. You know, I didn't expect a blowout game one. And it was a close game, went into overtime, came down to the final seconds, you know, with Adebayo with that clutch block. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, with his three-point play. You know, so this is going to be a dogfight. I predict, you know, very close games going forward. And I still think this is going to go seven games because both teams are really good and they're deep and anyone can get you buckets. The Miami Heat can win without Butler scoring a lot. The Celtics could win without Jason Tatum scoring a lot. And that's because they got well, nice, good pieces around them. You know, anyone can give it to you any given night. And this is just the beginning of this really great series. What are your thoughts? Joe, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you saw the game, you the, you know that the rest of the game, like George said, it will be a dogfight. Mm. The, the game literally came down to Bam's game-saving block on Jason Tatum, which that was a highlight of a highlight, you know. But uh, plus Jimmy Butler's uh, three-point play that with 12 seconds left on the clock, this game literally had me the edge of my seat the whole entire game. It was a great game, great game. But I still stick to what I said. I think I said the heat, the heat sweep. But we'll see. It rhymes heat sweep. Mm. Heat sweep. So uh, I'm going to speak for both teams first. Uh, these teams were clearly the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and I believe they both match up with each other very well. Endgame told me that this is going to be a fun series. For the Celtics, Game 1 told me that, and I'm going to, you know, this is me going on record, uh, because our fans don't know this, but we tried to record a podcast on Sunday, and it didn't work out. And during that podcast, I made the claim that Marcus Smart is not a dog for his team. Now, I'm here saying that I stand corrected after watching this game. Smart is a dog, and he stood up and defended Jimmy Butler very well whenever he did guard him. And I honestly thought he would succumb like a beta dog to Jimmy's alpha dog mentality, and he clearly didn't for game one. Now, I want to see that happen for the rest of the series, but I will say I stand corrected. It also told me that Kemba needs to be closing these games out instead of Tatum. And this is no disrespect to Tatum, but the Kemba is just more clutch. If anyone is listening to this that hasn't watched his step-back game winner in college versus Pittsburgh in the NCAA 2010 tournament, you absolutely must pause this podcast right now and go watch it. Don't worry. We're going to be here when you get back, and you can listen as I talk about how he stepped back to China on that game winner. He would then win the tournament the following year in 2011 versus Butler, who ironically was coached by Brad Stevens. The Celtics head coach now. Kemba has just ice in his veins. He put the Celtics up ahead by one point with a step back on Tyler Hero, who played pretty good defense on him that time. He's just mastered that step back shot, though, especially in clutch time. And after seeing Tatum miss the shot at the end of regulation and a few shots with the game close in OT, I just feel like Kemba needs to be the closer for the Celtics. The one thing I'll say is they need to not waste as much time on the clock at the end because it forces them to commit to a shot with little time left. Because they're walking up or they're dribbling the ball, you know, like where Damian Lillard was when he, you know, made his clutch shot versus the Thunder, you know, a few years back. But uh, they're, that's where they're at when they're dribbling and they're dribbling it until like there's five seconds left on the clock. And then they try to make their move. And I don't necessarily think that that's smart because 
that limits you because you only have at that point, because at that point, once you've started, you're at like four seconds left. So you really only limited to so much. Now for the heat, this game didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. First thing, the first thing is that we knew is that, or that we saw is that Jimmy is a dog that wants to win. I've been on that long before most. I was one of the few faithful when everybody was calling him a cancer to a team. I was one of the few faithful that were saying, no, this man wants to win. He is not a cancer. He just wants people to get on his level. Second thing that we saw, Jimmy is clutch. I told, I told everyone this. You guys probably don't remember this, but I shared a picture with y'all with some of the most clutch players in the NBA. And the pick asked, which would you want taking the final shot? And I was the only one that said Jimmy Butler. He showed it today with a go-ahead three towards the end of regulation and a clutch layup over the outstretched arms of Jason Tatum. And then he makes the free throw to put them up by two. Now my third thing, Tyler Hero was one assist away from having a triple-double. And I told you guys in the last podcast that that never ended up uh, getting posted is I told you guys that he was going to be the X factor for the heat. He was 0 for 3 from behind the arc until 317 left in the game. The heat were down by six and he hits a three to pull them within three. And then with 102 left in the game, he pump fakes a three, makes his defender by heart and then drains a three with authority and conviction to pull them within two. This was the shot right before Jimmy's clutch three towards the end of regulation. That just shows, you know, how important that shot was. This kid is no rookie. He is a seasoned veteran at this point. Why? Because he already went through a rite of passage designed by Jimmy in the beginning of the season and passed it with flying colors. Jimmy looked at him and said, if you can handle me, you can handle anything in this league. And every time that teams needed him, he has stepped up for his team. This is a fun team to watch. This series is going to be fun to watch. And this playoffs has been fun to watch. And we've only just finished the second round tonight. In my opinion, this has been the best playoffs ever when looking at it collectively. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see you're putting some respect on Marcus Smart. I know our last podcast, we had some difficulties with downloading our audio content. So it wasn't, be, it wasn't able to get posted. Um, but back to your, your claim on who should, uh, close out these games and it should be Kemba. I think that's one of the good things about the Celtics, you know, same with the heat is they got options, you know, they can close with Kemba. They can close with Tatum. You know, we got, they got multiple people that can close, you know, there's not just one that is a good closer and everyone else sucks at closing. They're all capable. And as a defense, that's hard to, you know, close down on on the final seconds because you can't just double Tatum because Kemba could kill you. You can't double Kemba because Tatum could kill you and vice versa with the Heat. You know, you double Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero can make a clutch shot. You know, anyone anyone on these teams can hit clutch shots. And that's why I'm saying, you know, these two teams are greatly fitted for each other and it's going to be a great series. And anyone that's been listening to the podcast that we've just started, you know, knows that you and I have been high on the the Miami Heat and our reasons why. And it's just showing every game, you know, mm-hmm. they're they've only lost one game in these playoffs. You know, yeah. they are a force to be reckoned with. They are no joke. A lot of people were sleeping on them and, you know, this they hit the snooze button and they're in for a rude awakening at this point. They've already mm-hmm. eliminated some teams. And will the Celtics be next? We'll keep watching and find out. Joe, what are your thoughts? Drew, do you remember what you said for how long the series will go? I said heat in six. That's what I said. All right. That's good. Yeah. Um, anything else, Joe? Any other thoughts? Uh, no, I'm good. So, yeah, see, so um, the ni- I think the nice thing about the Celtics and heat, like you were saying, George, is because you, you are correct. They have multiple players that can hit those shots. Now, what I was just kind of saying was, if I'm a Celtics fan, I want the ball in Kemba's hands, and I want him to decide whether he should take that shot or whether he should pass that ball out if he ends up getting doubled. Because I think that if he takes, if he if he has the ball in his hands and he has a chance to give one-on-one with a player, and then I want him taking that final shot because, dude, that step back is nasty. I mean, like I said, if you haven't seen that highlight, 
of him in the NCAA 2010 tournament, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. See, okay. Well, see, I don't know if I would want the ball in Kimba's hands because I don't know from his days in Charlotte. I know they didn't have any like high stake moments when he was there, and his uh, clutch shot in college that was probably his biggest one, and that was back in college. He's, and he's been in the league for a while. So I wouldn't trust the ball in his hands like that. I would trust the ball in Jason Tatum's hands because he has the hottest hand right now on the Celtics. Mm. George? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Joe on – I want it in Jason Tatum's hands. So a lot of the times, you know, people, they, they, they say they want the ball in the best player's hands. And who's the best player on the Celtics? I would say Tatum. I wouldn't say it's Kemba Walker. So with that being said – who do I want to shoot that final shot? I want it on Tatum. You know, if he's really the best player on that team, I want him to shoot that shot. Mm. And again, this is, you know, no disrespect to Tatum because he is the best player on the team. But I mean, you know, let's, let's look back at, you know, let's look back at the, uh, the championship that the, the Cavaliers, when they came back from three, from down three, one against the Warriors. I mean, clearly the best player on that team was LeBron, but uh, Kyrie shot the final shot to, you know, seal the deal. So I'm just saying that, you know, obviously Jason Tatum is the best player on the team, but Kemba, you know, Kemba has just shown me that he's more clutch, which is why I would rather have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point right there, but. Like, like I said, I mean, there's many people on these teams that can close and are capable of hitting that clutch shot. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie Irving, he's a different animal. You know, we've known he was clutch. We knew that he is that finisher on that team, you know. And then, you know, back to that, you know, there's been many instances in LeBron James's career where he gets crucified for not taking that final shot. You know, in game one, in that finals uh, against the Warriors when he passed it to George Hill, you know, everyone was saying, you know, LeBron should have took that shot and not pass it to a George Hill who was open, who ended up getting fouled and missed, you know, the free throw. You know, a lot of people were saying LeBron should have took that shot. Obviously, it's a different case in the one we're talking about with Kyrie because Kyrie has been known to make those shots and has been known to be clutch. But, you know, more, more times than not, people want to see the best player on the team taking that shot. You know, obviously we're going to have some cases where, yeah, you know, make the right basketball play. If someone else is open, then, yeah, you know, hit them for that open shot. Trust your teammate. But if if we're drawing up a play for the final, you know, five seconds of a play of a game, who do you want taking that shot? Then more times than not, we're going to pick the best player on that team. And in this case, I'll pick Jason Tatum. Yeah, and that's fair. You know, I mean, you know, if you if you would want to pick Jason Tatum, then you can. All I'm saying is that I would prefer the ball in Kemba hand, in Kemba's hands because he's shown me that he's more clutch, and I know that Jason Tatum is the best player. But it's great that you can have you can have one player who's the best player on the team, and then you have another player who's you know more clutch. So you could have you know either of those players taking that final shot. You know what I mean? So. All I'm saying is that I would rather the ball in his hands because of the fact that he has shown me that he's more clutch. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, we agree to disagree. You know, I say Jason Tatum's hands. You say Kimba's hands. So we'll find out in the next game if it comes down to a clutch moment whose hands it will be in. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Let's switch gears uh, now and talk about Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys took on the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night. It was a back and forth game with a low score considering the two offenses that were that were hyped up to come to this seri- uh, to come to this NFL season. The game ended with the Los Angeles Rams winning with a defensive stand at the end of the fourth quarter. So, Joe, I'm going to start with you on this one. What was the right. biggest reason for the Cowboys' loss on Sunday night? I say the offense. Mm. The offense was not, not up to par. Dak did okay with his performance, but his receivers and running back did not really contribute at all. Ezekiel Elliott was subpar in his performance. He was he had 22 carries for 96 yards and one TD. He only averaged 4.4 yards from the line of scrimmage. Mm. 
For his receivers, Amari Cooper had 14 targets and caught 10 with 81 yards. And CeeDee Lamb had six targets and caught five for with 59 yards. The offense needs to step it up if they want to win games, but I'll give them a slight break because it is their first real action with an opposing team to learn to get the bugs out of their offense. So uh, just a little break, but they need to do better. Mm. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so my thoughts on this, I thought it was a really good game. And I think the crucial factor that happened in this game was in the beginning of that fourth quarter when they had a chance to tie the game with a field goal and they ended up going for it on fourth down and getting stopped. So with that being said, I'd put the blame on, you know, the coach, you know, the coach decided to go for it on that fourth play and didn't convert, you know, so they had a chance to tie it up. Like I said, it was early in the fourth quarter, you know, you tie it up there. You still have the majority of that fourth quarter left, you know, you make a stop, you get the ball back. Then maybe all you need is another field goal to win that game instead of needing a touchdown. So I'm going to blame, you know, McCarthy on this and say that his play calling wasn't up to par and he choked on that call. You know, I think they tie it up early fourth quarter. You know, you make another big stop and you potentially could win the game off a field goal. What are your thoughts, Drew? Uh, before I go, I just have a quick question for you, George. Would you say that the play calling was was at least you know above board, all things considered, besides that one play, or no? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good game, especially for Week One. You know, and he is the new coach there. You know, so with everything being acu- acclimated, or I can't talk, uh, acclimated is the word I was trying to say. Um, I thought it was a good game, and but when it comes down when it comes down to the game of the play or the play of the game, that was it for me. You know, when I was watching the game, that was the play. As soon as I saw them go for it on fourth down, I was just like, "What are you doing?" You know, like tie this game up. You still have a whole fourth quarter. You know, it's not like it's two minutes left and you need a touchdown. You know, this was a case where you didn't need the touchdown yet. You know, you tie the game up, and if you can't score, maybe you go to overtime. Give yourself another chance to win. Don't just blow it off a fourth down, can't convert. Mm. Kick that field goal. I have the Dallas kicker on fantasy. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that would have helped me. I won regardless, but I mean, that that to me, besides fantasy, was just one of those calls where I was just scratching my head. Um, so the biggest reason for me, I think is that play exactly. And just specifically that play. So fourth and three, the Rams 11 yard line, 1146 left in the fourth quarter. Okay. They go for it instead of kicking it. Now I'm all for going for it on fourth down, especially if it's, you know, less than five yards, but you gotta you gotta understand like the situation of the game you gotta understand you know the fact that it's very late in the game at this point like i don't think i don't think that's the right time to do that i mean let's let's be real here they never got close to the ram side of the ball uh the ram side of the field again after that there was eleven forty six left in the fourth quarter and they only got the ball for a total of three minutes and 41 seconds for the rest of the game the rest of the game They only got the ball three minutes and 41 seconds. You cannot guarantee that you will easily be able to score a field goal or stop the other team from scoring again. And there are no guarantees in a game where you give the ball back so easily to the other team and the other team can spend five five minutes and 18 seconds off the clock in a single drive, which is what the Rams did, to allow you only two minutes and 28 seconds left in the game when you get the ball back. You know, Cowboys fans can claim that they got a terrible call on that last drive to the, uh, the the deep field pass where they called offensive pass interference. And to be fair, I would agree that th- that was a bad call. But let's be real. That's not the reason why. That's not the biggest reason why they lost this game. That That one play call was the reason. That one play call when they were on the Rams side of the field for the last time of the game was the reason they lost this game. Agreed. It was a 
crucial play, crucial moment, momentum swinger, and it did not go in their way. <laughs> yeah, true. It really didn't. And I mean, Joe, you know, you played football. You would know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you're never guaranteed anything in a game like that, huh? No, never. Yeah. There's always a whole bunch of different variables in this, and that was just one of them. And I couldn't have worded it better myself, Joe. I think that's the perfect way anybody could word it. You know, there's a lot of variables that go into it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep it in the NFC East and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles who battled against the newly appointed Washington football team. The Eagles led for most of the game until Dwayne Haskins and company rallied back from down 17-0 to and scored 27 unanswered points to win the ball game 27-17. to So, Joe, was this victory more about the football team winning or the Eagles losing? I think it was more about the team winning for Ron Rivera. Mm. The newly named Washington football team was definitely going to come out and try to win for their head coach, Ron Rivera. The team played like a group of players that determined to make a name for themselves. Mm. The defensive line racked up eight sacks and two interceptions with a depleted secondary group. Just to remind you, they had injuries in that group. As they were, Some of them weren't even starters out there. Mm. This looks like a brand new group compared to last year, and I hope to see them uh, how far they go with the rest of the year pans out. Mm. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Joe said a lot of the points I was about to make, but I'm going to tie this back to the Clippers take that you were saying about the coach, Drew, and how the coach you know, is able or has the potential to fire up a team and get them motivated and ready for the game. And I think that's what Ron Rivera did. Like Joe was saying, he, you know, maybe gave them a really great speech that fired them up because no one expected the Washington football team to win this game. And with everything going on with Ron Rivera and his cancer, I I think the team really wanted to show what they could do in support of Ron Rivera. Um, but this win definitely goes on the Washington football team. We're talking about a defense that had its way with the Eagles, talking about a Washington team that was down 17 points to the Eagle and rallied back 27 to 17. They sacked Wentz eight times, forced him to throw two interceptions. The defense played great, made big plays, such as the huge fourth and four from the Washington 45. But John Bostick sacked Wentz on a blitz up the middle. And at the end of the day, John Rivera and Dwayne Haskins had a lot to prove that day, and they are now in the top seed of that division with the only win coming from them. Mm. And it's a divisional win too, so that's a big deal. Um, to your to your point too, George, you mentioned that you know they they rallied back from being down seventeen. Let's let's be real here. It's not like you know it's not like oh they were down like you know twenty four to seven. They were down seventeen to zero. Like they had a goose egg. And sometimes that's that's really hard to do because, you know, sometimes it's about like, okay, like breaking that wall. Like we, we have we're having a hard time breaking that wall to like get like even points on the board. And, you know, they were able to come back and they were able to do that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's easy to just give up early on like that, you know, with a new head coach, a young quarterback, you're down 17-0 in the first game with no preseason. It's so easy to give up. And that's why. I think we're all giving John Rivera some credit here. He fired that team up. Mm. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm really glad that you guys are in favor of the fact that it was more about the football team winning because, you know, a lot of people are putting the blame on the Eagles losing. They're saying that, you know, this was more about the Eagles losing rather than the football team winning. But honestly, like, let's look at this football team, all right? That defensive line, it was actually ranked third best in the league. And I don't believe they took into account that Ron Rivera would be coaching them. So it's probably going to rank up even higher now, honestly, just because that guy is motivating them to like go above their expectations. And plus that was before Chase Young was there, I think. Mm. So Ron, you know, Ron's just a guy who just wins, dude, with what he has. I mean, he was the perfect coach for this team because this team doesn't have a lot to begin with. Just look at the roster. Who do they have besides that defensive line? McLaurin at receiver? Like... 
uh, I think that's I think that's his name, right? McLaurin. Yeah, Scary Terry. Yeah, Terry McLaurin. <laughs> yeah, Scary Terry, right? And then they got yeah. Payne Barber from the Bucks, but he was a nobody when he was on the Bucks. Mm, right, and all, you know, all of a sudden he has two touchdowns in this game, right? Right, and you know, Mc, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that's the only uh, you know that's the only real guy that I thought Scary Terry McLaurin. You know, that's it. I'm gonna give credit where where it's due to Dwayne Haskins, though. I mean, let's let's be real here. I mean, he was pumping his team up from the sidelines and he willed their team to victory offensively like a true leader should. I mean, he was going over to that defensive line when, you know, they did their job and he was telling them like, thank you for, thank you for winning this for, or, you know, like not winning this, but thank you for, uh, thank you for giving the ball back to me. I'm not going to let you guys down. You know, he was just telling him like, I will put this team on my back sort of, you know, which I mean, no, let's be real. The team was on defense's back, but you know, he, you know, it's fair, right. That he would say that offensively he would, you know, take over. And I think he, you know, I think he willed his team like a true leader should. And let's be real. This is looking like a real team finally. And all it took for them was to include the word team in their name to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's all great stuff you want to hear from your your quarterback, you know, as your leader on the sideline, you, you want to hear him say those things. Right. Absolutely. And also uh, during halftime, Ron, Ron Rivera had an IV fluid attached to him for the halftime. I did not know that either. I I read that and I was like, dude, that's crazy. And he still came out after halftime and coached on the sidelines. That's you, you know, you love that kind of thing, but I, I really hope that, you know, this doesn't, this coaching doesn't just take a toll on him, you know what I mean? And shorten his yeah. span even further. I just, you know, you really don't, you really don't wish that upon anyone. And you really love the fact that he's doing this for this football team. But, you know, at the same time, like, I really hope that, you know, he takes his health into consideration, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why he got his name, Ron Riverboat Riviera. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it sends a great message to the team, though. I mean, it shows like, hey, I'm fighting for you guys. You know, I'm dealing mm-hmm. with cancer. I'm showing up to game day. I'm doing the proper necessary things for me to help this football team. What are you doing? You know, and I think that, and that's a great message to send to that team. You know, some a team that's not expected to do much. You know, that alone, like I'm dealing with cancer. Like, what's your excuse? There are you none. don't have you don't have a better excuse. That's it. Yeah. Like this, this kind of reminds me of a few years ago uh, when the Colts had John Pagano as their head coach and he had cancer. Mm. They went out and had a good season because they played for him and they wanted to win for him. Mm. So maybe we could get something like this with the, with the Washington team. I see. Yeah, I agree. Any final thoughts guys before? No, um, no, I think we covered most of it. Right on. So that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We are going to post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, barring any issues with technology. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. <laughs>